1: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tervita Third Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you need assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on October 30th, 2020. I would now like to turn the conference over to John Cooper, President and CEO. Please go ahead.
2: Thank you, Joanna, and welcome everyone to Tervita's conference call for the third quarter of 2020. We do hope everyone is safe and well, and today as a result of our office staff working from home in response to COVID-19, we come to you not from a conference room, but instead from each one of our homes. We hope we do not have technical issues, but if we do, please bear with us. Uh, Joining me on the call today is Linda Dietschy, our Chief Financial Officer, and Rob Dawson, our Executive Vice President of Strategy and Corporate Development. During the call today, we will make forward-looking statements related to future performance, and we will refer to certain financial measures that do not have any standardized meaning prescribed by GAAP. Forward-looking statements reflect the current views of Terbita, with respect to future events and are based on certain key expectations and assumptions considered reasonable by Tervita. Since forward-looking information address future events and conditions, by their very nature, they involve inherent risks and uncertainties, and actual results could differ materially from those anticipated due to numerous factors and risks. Please refer to our continuous disclosure documents as they identify factors which may cause actual results to differ from any forward-looking statements and identify and define the non gaap measures. Well, this morning we will review our results for Q3 2020, followed by an update on our near-term outlook. Before getting into our results, first and foremost, I am happy to say that all of our traditions continue to remain safe and healthy. As we informed you last week, we are pleased with Tervida's third quarter results, which underscore the benefits of an energy services production-based exposure and the diversification provided by industrial services, as well as our continued focus on driving efficiencies and costs in the business. Our aggressive cost control measures, actioned earlier in the year, in response to the pandemic and changing oil price environment allowed us to preserve adjusted EBITDA margin, excluding the Canadian Age Emergency Wage Subsidy at 34% despite a decrease in revenue. Along with our solid results, we achieved another milestone this quarter with the release of our inaugural sustainability report highlighting our accomplishments in 2019. While this is our first report, Sustainability has always been an integral part of our business. Some of the accomplishments from last year highlighted in the report include achieving a lost time injury frequency of zero for the first time in 11 years, reducing fugitive emissions by 67% by implementing immediate corrective actions where possible, returning 78% of water withdrawn to the watershed as part of our water management program, increasing our year-over-year spending with indigenous-owned businesses by over 70% to $3.5 million, implementing an engaging manager program to further develop and invest in our employees, and finally, increasing the percentage of women in leadership to 30%. Not only do we strive for sustainable performance in our operations, we are also a dedicated sustainability partner to our customers, working to reduce environmental impact while maximizing the value of resources recovered. Some of the services completed for our customers in 2019 include recovering more than 8 million barrels of pipeline-spec crude oil from customer waste avoiding the use of more than 35,000 cubic meters of fresh water through the reuse of leachate, recycling more than 95,000 tons of scrap metal, and planting over 27,000 trees to help customers meet their reclamation and remediation goals. We recognize that an ESG strategy and associated targets are fundamental to our journey and reporting process. Therefore we are committed to continue to enhance our disclosure and targets in future reports. At Servita, we believe sustainability is an opportunity to create long-term value for all stakeholders and to foster longevity for our company. So now, Linda will walk us through the key highlights from our Q3 results, then Rob will review our capital program and liquidity, and finally, I will move into our outlook for the remainder of the year. Linda?
3: Thanks, John. As John noted, we are proud of our Q3 results as they demonstrate the resiliency of our business against the backdrop of the current market environment. Our continued focus on profitability, market share growth, and cost management was evidenced in our results. Adjusted EBITDA for the third quarter of $56 million was down only 14% from prior year while oil price and activity declines ranged from 30 to 70 percent, adjusted EBITDA also improved 24 percent from Q2 2020, which reflects the steady return of oil production volumes previously shut in during the second quarter. In energy services, revenue excluding energy marketing and divisional EBITDA decreased by 36 percent and 30 percent from Q3 of the prior year to 76 million and 44 million, respectively. Results were driven by decreased drilling, production, and marketed oil volumes and the exit from our U.S.-based operations. However, divisional EBITDA margin increased 5 percentage points to 58% due to our strategic cost optimization initiatives and returns from growth capital investments. In industrial services, revenue of $56 million and divisional EBITDA of $11 million decreased 25% and 15% from the prior year, respectively, driven by lower project activity in Alberta and Ferris-Metal Volumes. This was partially offset by the continued benefit of business optimization and cost savings initiatives. Divisional EBITDA margin improved by 3 percentage points to 20% despite the decrease in revenue. In the quarter, we participated in the CEWS program that the federal government introduced to help employers protect jobs. To recognized $11 million of benefit related to the program in the third quarter for a total of $25 million year-to-date. We continue to monitor our eligibility for funding under the program, which was re- recently extended to the summer of 2021. Following the onset of the pandemic and the decline in commodity prices earlier this year, we took immediate action to reduce costs and to preserve our financial position. We expect these actions to decrease structural costs by approximately $32 million on an annualized basis, with approximately $23 million expected this year. These structural actions include items such as employee headcount reductions and location optimization throughout our network. We also implemented multiple actions to drive in-year savings, including reductions to the Board of Directors' cash retainer and executive leadership team salaries. As well as reducing discretionary spending. I will now pass it on to Rob to discuss our capital program and liquidity position.
4: Thank you, Linda. Um, With respect to the capital program,
5: uh, we spent 11 million dollars in the third quarter bringing annual year-to-date spending to 44 million dollars. Spending has been, been primarily directed at the completion of our pipeline-connected water disposal facility in the first uh, four months of the year, as well as increasing disposal wall capacity in other regions, increasing our blending capabilities, and expanding existing landfills. Importantly, we have started to build additional sludge pad, waste transfer station, and related infrastructure in Manitoba and British Columbia in support of our industrial services business, as well as the purchase of industrial equipment in support of incremental long-term contracts in the same business. We remain on track with our 2020 capital plan of $60 million and we expect that our 2020 maintenance capital will still be $25 million. Approximately half of our 2020 growth and expansion budget has been largely directed to the completion of expected high-return, high-impact carryover projects initiated in 2019, including the aforementioned Motney Water Disposal Facility, which has been in operation since the end of the first quarter and has played a big part in our capturing market share as measured by third-party water injection. We have also spent a modest amount towards targeted, high-return growth projects within the industrial service business, as mentioned, and we have reduced costs and continue to maintain financial discipline while also ensuring we are positioned to capitalize on opportunities to deploy growth capital when and if they arise. Servita continues to work with our customers to meet their needs in a time of tight capital discipline and further assist them in maximizing the value they receive from our services. We continue to have a pipeline of opportunities available and in the current market environment have paused new growth projects to focus on maintaining our strong liquidity position. However, we will continue to actively look for ways to support our competitive strategy including increasing market share and growth within industrial services. Looking forward, we will continue to monitor activity levels as the year progresses and revise our capital plan accordingly. With respect to liquidity, we remain very focused on financial discipline and balance sheet strength, as we always have been. We ended the third quarter with liquidity of $267 million of cash and unutilized capacity on our credit facility, an increase from the beginning of the year. In response to the economic conditions earlier in the year, As John has mentioned, we implemented numerous cash preservation measures and cost reductions which have materially enhanced our already strong resiliency, positioned us well to manage through this downturn and also capture additional market um, share and value in the market recovery. We expect these these structural savings will generate approximately $32 million of annualized cost savings. We continue to relentlessly review our costs and will continue to execute opportunities to reduce costs and improve efficiencies. Through the third quarter, net debt fell to $722 million, resulting in a net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio of 3.4. Our net debt fell by $42 million from the end of the second quarter as free cash flow generated in Q3 allowed us to repay the $15 million draw on our credit facility and see cash balances rise $21 million to the current $52 million. Our credit facility is fully undrawn. During the third quarter, we also exited our operations in the United States and sold the remaining assets related to that business. While our operations in the United States were not large, importantly, this is an example of our continued focus on capital efficiency and ensuring that All of our businesses and service lines continue to provide net cash flow to Dirk Vita through the full economic cycle. We recently announced that we have received commitments to increase our credit facility to $350 million and extend the maturity to two years from the effective date of the amended and restated credit facility, subject to the completion of the refinancing of our senior notes. Our senior debt is not due until December 2021 and we are actively pursuing options to address the refinancing. We remain confident that we'll be able to address this refinancing well before its maturity and that we will continue to live within cash flow and remain within our covenant thresholds. I will now turn it back to John to talk about our outlook for 2020 and 2021.
2: Thanks, Rob. Um, Well, the solid performance we saw in the third quarter demonstrates the strength of our resilient business model, and we remain well positioned for success as the economy continues to recover. Looking ahead, we expect this positive momentum to continue. We recently announced our guidance for the remainder of 2020 and our expectations for 2021. Our outlook for 2020 is adjusted EBITDA of $210 million, inclusive of $27 million of wage subsidy support. As we expect the strength exhibited by both our energy services and industrial service business segments to continue into the fourth quarter. Our energy service business remains strongly underpinned by ongoing production in the waste basin in Western Canada, which has recovered with the majority of shut-in volumes Having s- since been returned. Our industrial service business, which is less exposed to the upstream oil and gas industry, continues to provide strength through non energy diversification. This year, we have proven our agility to respond to the market and adapt our business to keep our people safe, reduce costs, capture market share, and protect liquidity. Looking forward to 2021, we expect expect our strong performance to continue. Assuming the current economic environment and the continued improvement in oil and gas, general economic activity and industrial activity, we anticipate our adjusted EBITDA will exceed 2020, excluding Hughes. We expect the growth in our profitability to be largely driven by the strategic steps that were taken this year to streamline and right size of the business in alignment with our priority of being the top choice service provider. Some of the actions that we expect to drive our growth include the full-year benefit from the approximate $32 million of structural cost savings initiatives we instituted immediately in response to the downturn, the continued benefit of the commercial, organizational, and cost strategies implemented within our industrial service business Segment and a full year of operations at our pipeline connected Montney water disposal facility that has been fully operational since serving producers uh, since Q1 of this year. Also, we will continue to implement our continuous running the business better strategies looking for and executing on opportunities to reduce costs, improve efficiencies, and ensure all open and operating facilities are generating positive cash flow lastly and very importantly i would like to take the opportunity to again thank our employees for their extraordinary efforts and dedication i am very proud of our team and how they have demonstrated resiliency and adaptability through these times so that concludes our prepared remarks we would be happy now to take some uh, questions
1: thank you Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your Touchtone phone. You will hear a three tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. And the first question comes from Matthew Weeks at Industrial Alliance. Please go ahead.
0: Good morning. Morning. Uh, so my first question relates to the the net debt, and it's in your disclosures that you're expecting net debt to remain uh, relatively flat through the remainder uh, of the year after the the free cash flow and, and the paydown uh, that was able to occur in the third quarter. Uh, is part of this due to uh, a reinvestment in in working capital? And if so, is um, is this due to you seeing more uh, customer inquiries as uh, macroeconomic conditions improve here?
2: Um, well, good question. Um, yeah, yes, it is part of the working it will be part of the, uh, the rationale would be part of the working capital thing, but it's not just that. Uh, our cost reductions that we put into place also helps that. And then the outlook that we saw and the continued improvement in Q3 kind of all combined for us to kind of conclude that that, uh, that that's the direction we'll be taking. Rob or, or Linda, anything you wanted to add to that?
5: Uh in, in in particular, I think the one it's just a a standard thing as our interest payment on our high yield notes is due um June first and December first. Um so that's the main reason. You know, absent that we'd be generating free cash flow.
0: Okay, I see, thank you. Um Looking at uh, uh, next year, uh, first, I wanted to ask about uh, you know, if you're able to provide any sort of preliminary uh, CapEx numbers. I know most of the growth CapEx in 2020 was uh, carryover stuff. So without that, uh, going into next year, um, do you expect the 2021 budget will be a lot closer to a maintenance number, sort of in that $25 million range? Yes,
2: yeah, John here. Um, we haven't... Um uh, provided any detail or guidance on our capital program for next year, although you're, you're, you're right on in uh, assuming our maintenance capital will be around that 25 you know the 30 million dollar range. I mean, we're, we consider ourselves very prudent sort of financial and capital discipline managers. I mean, uh, in this environment, making sure the balance sheet achieves the, the objectives that we want to will be a high focus. At the same time, we need to be flexible, and if there's extraordinary opportunities for growth capital that exceed all hurdle rates and exceed the math, if I could put it that way, of balance sheet deleveraging, we want to have the flexibility of doing that. But we haven't concluded our um, outlook for um, capital in terms of uh, outside of maintenance for next year as of yet
0: okay, thank you so at this point um would you would you more or less characterize it as sort of uh that maintenance in the twenty five to thirty million dollar range and then maybe upside to the budget for uh targeted high return projects probably focused in the industrial services division
2: that's fair yeah
0: okay, thank you uh I'll just ask one more question uh here, and uh, just sort of trying to set some goal posts for uh twenty twenty one and you know you guys had provided guidance that it's going to be uh, an improvement over 2020 when you exclude queues so if i take the 27 away from 210 this year get to 183 add in an incremental 9 million in the cost savings that aren't going to be realized this year I, I get to basically a floor of about 192 million and adjusted EBITDA uh, for 2021 um you think as far as the ceiling goes, if conditions improve the way they are, if we see a bit of an improvement in drilling, most of production come back online by that point, do you think results next year could be uh, the same or better than this year, including queues? Um, Well, your math there was correct. Uh, A couple
2: things we would add to that. Um, You know, I guess, there's a continued ongoing work that we've done in our industrial service business, um, including uh, taking advantage of the orphan well programs that we see as upside more into 2021 and into 2022. Um, You know, there's a full year, kind of a quarter of the Montney water projects. And of course, the cost savings, which this year in that $23 million range, and next year, probably 32. But, you know, Turbina in its DNA has always been efficient and always looking at improving market share and cost efficiencies, you know, so there, I guess we would sort of say to to respond to your uh, inquiry there that there is upside given if we continue to see the building strength in the economy for industrial services and in the production levels that we have seen continue. That okay. That thanks
0: for It does. Thank you. I appreciate you taking my questions. I'll
6: turn it back.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Erin McNeil at TD Securities. Please go ahead.
0: Hey, good morning,
7: all. Thanks uh, for your time. You referenced looking for opportunities to further reduce costs in the prepared remarks. And I guess I would have thought that you were already running fairly lean. Um, can you maybe share with us what types of opportunities are still available in the company and and what the magnitude might be?
2: Um, hi, Aaron. It's John. Um, well, uh, it's part of it. we call it running the business better. It's kind of our our overall efficiencies and and um, those sort of things. There are some kind of commercial strategies in that that we uh, think are unique and we kind of want to keep it, uh, you know, quiet if I could put it that way. But you know, so. Um, uh, you know we're always looking at things. So, like in the third quarter, we, as an example, just to help you there, we we, we uh, exited the U.S. and although it wasn't really material to our business, it just our assets become more and more um, uh, higher return on capital employed and better utilized. So we we are always looking at those types of thing, uh, ideas and strategies in combining the industrial service and energy. So. You know, Aaron, we really don't have any specifics to give to you, but you know, we do know that uh we continue to work on those uh, items. Rob or Linda, did you want to add, can you give Aaron any more color than that?
5: <laughs> you know, Aaron, I, I think the, the comment that we're we're not yet at the point of diminishing returns, but we'd say, you know, all the all the dramatic changes in costs have occurred. So from 2014, 215 million of GNA, 2016, 100 million of GNA, this year less than 40, we're in the 40 range. Um, you know, Obviously, you're going to find less opportunities, um, but we're still relatively, from a system standpoint and a back office standpoint, relatively um, in different swim lanes, we've got a number of different systems that can be combined. And we're just starting into the uh the development of uh, the availability of technology digitization AI and those things to help you know not only our operations um, um, pre uh um, you know, pre-maintenance programs and those sorts of things. And, and you know, while they're going to be a, a probably a little more complicated to achieve than just uh, taking costs out that you're currently spending, you know, we think that's definitely the journey we're going to be going on for the next several years. And we're very confident that it's continued to enhance either margin or the customer service uh, um, and customer delivery experience. Okay. Uh, so just to make
7: sure I'm interpreting what you guys said correctly... Um, lots of the, the, the bigger cuts, uh, have already occurred, but there's some opportunities with, with, uh, systems and it, and maybe an ERP system or something like that. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can you give us a bit of an update on where you guys are at on the well abandonment and uh, site rehabilitation program and how that might impact you in the coming quarters?
2: Yeah, Aaron, it's John here. So um, I, the first thing is the whole program is a benefit to Tervita and the services that we provide. Um, we have got some you know, work and revenue and earnings this year, but it has not, um, uh, it's been um, modest. We believe that um, uh, the majority of the work will begin to benefit us uh, in 2021 and into 2022. Um, you know the services that we benefit from uh, range from environmental consulting reclamation remediation um, you know metals recycling with pipe out of the ground and disposals into our landfill we've got the la- largest landfill portfolio of anybody across uh, western Canada so we we think it'll benefit that uh, we have a dedicated team that's um, focused on on this opportunity um, you know, we are uh, a associate creditor through the BC Oil and Gas Commission, and we just recently became a prime contractor through Saskatchewan's Accelerated Site Closure Program. Um, so, you know, there's going to be very good benefit from us for funding this program in 2021 and 2022 as we receive see our customers move forward, uh, you know, getting at this program. It was it was slower out of the start as. Um, the process uh, got going through the governments and with our customers. There's, um, but now it's starting to take a little more, little more uh, firmness, and and the outlook looks very good. So we're, we're we're this is a good opportunity for us.
7: Final question for me: you, You've taken some steps recently that might or could be interpreted as moving towards a refinancing event for your notes, and I, I know there's only so much you can say, but you know with the notes becoming Current, I, I think on December 1st, can you give us a sense of where credit markets are at today and if you think there's an opening potentially for you to refinance in the near term?
2: Yeah, it's John. Well, Rob, you want to try that and I can uh, edit in after. <laughs>
8: <laughs>
5: Thanks for the question, Aaron. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, your sleuthing ability is is still very, very good. We are um, taking steps to put us in a position to be refinancing the notes, um, you know, in a way that uh, maximizes, um, you know, the opportunity for us to continue to to drive value for our stakeholders and customers. Um, you know, we we've been in, you know, I guess extended conversations with many of our note holders and new markets, and similar to the banks, we are finding um, successfully new money coming into the notes. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think just stay tuned is, is is the is the answer. We're just going to um, you know be waiting for um, good market conditions. And by good market conditions, I mean you know conditions that have continually improved and shown us the ability to hit the market over the last several months. So um, you know, there might be a little bit of volatility here for a little bit uh, with the U.S. election um, coming next week. But other than that, I would just say stay tuned.
0: Okay.
7: Thanks. Uh, That's all for me. I'll turn it over.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Cole Pereira at Stifle. Please go ahead.
0: Hey, uh, morning, guys. Uh, So, obviously, free free cash flow remains a big focus in 2021. Um, But on a longer-term basis, can you kind of talk about what growth opportunities you might see in the industrial service business and what pursuit of that might look like? Would it be just kind of the purchase of more equipment, as uh, Rob touched on?
2: Yeah, it's John here. Um, yeah, we see uh, very good opportunities to grow our industrial service segments. Uh, it, it, you know, it's comprised of, of numerous um, synergistic segments to it waste and water and environmental services. So there's a couple of things. Um, there's continuing to expand our services across the geographic platform that we compete in. Um, and so we work with customers and we work with the areas to expand that. We highlighted a couple, like the example in Winnipeg. Um, we see ourselves expanding and diversifying outside um, um, the service uh, space and looking at other areas to to work through. The orphan well program would have a contribution there, and you know, pending um, cash flow needs and uh, financial modeling, we'd look at. Tuckens. the in the the market for industrial services is uh, very very fragmented, uh, lots of competitors, um, no one large one in the, in the market set for perhaps ourselves. So that would be that would be the goal. That's the longer term goal. But we will continue to aggressively defend our energy waste business and look at the opportunities there as well. So, does that provide you with some um, response there?
0: yeah yeah that's uh that's great uh color that's all for me guys i'll uh, turn it back thanks
1: thank you the next question comes from tim monticello at atp capital markets please go ahead okay
4: hey, good morning everyone i tell you you gotta be uh you gotta have some fast fingers on these calls um all my questions have almost been answered here um just a couple <laughs> follow-ups i guess uh, on the well-abandonment site rehabilitation program, we've seen some other guys in the industry come out and, and talk about um, activities sort of ramping up in the back half of Q3 and into Q4 and, and sort of alluded to that as well, that it's starting to come through. Do you think this could be a material number in Q4? And, you know, is there any sort of quantitative guidance that you could provide to, you know, what the impact range could be to 2021?
0: Well,
2: no, we're not going to provide uh, any, you know, uh, quantitative numbers for it. But it's just the overall programs about 1.7 billion dollars, and less than half of it, we think, 700 million, applies to the services that we we offer to Vita. So that mm-hmm. kind of gives you a, a sort of an overall macro view. I mean, that's 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 our internal work and what, what we uh, think. I mean, we have seen some business come in this year, but being with our uh, disposal network, we think most of the value for us would be at the tail end of the process. So that's why we think of it in 2021 and
4: 2022. Okay, uh, fair enough. In terms of the U.S. business divestiture, is it um, a fair assumption that that was, you know, probably cash flow negative or cash flow neutral to the business in, in the first half of 2020? Yes. So so taking that out of the p- portfolio, do you think that that's accretive to uh, to cash flow? Yes. Okay. Um, and then lastly, I was just wondering if you could give a bit of a more um, detailed overview of the industrial services outlook, sort of maybe by like uh business line or something for 2021. Just okay. give us a little bit of perspective on where you might see the challenges, where you might see the growth in that portfolio as it stands today.
2: Okay. Um Rob, do you want
5: to pack this one? You know, we, we we report three three basic um, you know, revenue categories there and they're they're quite different in both their commercial structure and their attachment to our facilities. So the first is our environmental services business, which is largely project-based. And uh I think earlier this year you know for two reasons one was the in, unintended consequence of a number of reclamation and remediation projects being put on hold um just because they're waiting to see what the government uh um the government subsidy uh, was going to look and feel like those are starting up again but i would say that business you know we'll see a small increase in revenue in that business i'd say and it's growing somewhat but it's it remains a uh, core business but i wouldn't say it's going to be the big the big uh, adder of activity for us um, our, our waste services business, which is anchored, um, you know, to transfer stations, sludge pads, um, and, and I think small, small capital, um, but but facilities based. That's the business where we're seeing a lot of opportunity. Um, we can consolidate operations closer to uh, waste sources, so work on margin. Um, right now, that business is centered, at least in, in Western Canada, for us, in the Lower Mainland and in and in Edmonton. And uh, you know we're looking for for other sublocations to to improve on our logistics costs, but also to expand our market reach in those areas where a where a haul to either um, Richmond or to or to uh, Edmonton is too long for us to adequately serve that market. It's a niche market, and we feel we have a good a good a good uh, a good uh, product offering there. Customers are are getting it, particularly these long term bin contracts. I think. We're we're starting to capture a lot of them, um, you know, more so than we did a few years ago. So that business, again, is doing quite well and should be a a pretty good source of growth. Um, Metals, uh, metals is uh, more GDP based. I would say there there is some commodity price exposure. Um, but not as much as you would think, because we can manage commodity exposure through uh, efficiently managing our inventory levels and also being proactive with the costs that we purchase um, that metal for. Importantly, our rail services business there has been growing, um, you know, very ably over the last three years, including this year with growth this year, um, and that's a good source of metal and it complements that business very well. And it's example of the additional service lines that we'd be looking to get into, ones where um, ones where we uh, I'm sorry my son just uh, came in here to bother me everybody apologies um, ones where we uh, we can add lines that complement our fixed facility network so um, we see very good opportunity in the uh, growing natural gas regions in northeastern BC um, down in the LNG Canada regions and Terrace and and in uh, and in Kitimat, as well as moving eastward into Saskatchewan and Winnipeg geographically with our current service lines, um, where you know not only are the markets more stable there, but in Manitoba in particular, and in and in the central western part of BC, economic growth is quite robust, and our and our service lines are are, are quite matched um, to some of the needs of our customers in those areas. Um, so we're excited about it.
4: Okay. Yeah. No. That's uh, that's really helpful. Uh, I guess I have one follow-up question to that, then. You had mentioned in the prepared remarks, or John had, um, that Q4 capital budget is going to be sort of focused on um, growing within, I guess, the waste management business, mostly in the industrial services segment with some additions of uh, sludge pads and, and whatnot. In terms of growth capex for 2021, and I understand you guys are still working through that process, is that... Uh, are there a continuation of what you're seeing in Q4, likely to be where um, most of the opportunities would be for organic growth in in 2021.
2: It's uh, yeah, it's John here. I mean, directionally, that's correct. But you know, we don't want to put ourselves in a box if a wonderful opportunity comes along in the waste energy side. But you know, directionally,
4: that's the that's correct. Okay. Great. I'll turn it back. You
5: Tim, I think we should also like uh, we are talking about opportunity and growth here a fair bit, but I don't want to underemphasize the focus we're going to have on delevering. Um, we generate a significant amount of discretionary free cash flow, and on the margin, I would say our focus is going to be putting, you know, money against the balance sheet. There are opportunities that we have, and you know, those industrial ones you mentioned there are actually quite low; they're in the low single digit million uh, capital costs, so they have a higher impact. That business is a lower-margin business, obviously, but the returns on capital are very good. Um, And the capital spend is a lot uh, simpler, easier to manage, and and lower in an absolute basis. And then to John's point, there are, or there may be, you know, smaller, more high-impact Capital opportunities available in energy waste, but for the most part, we are very focused on delevering and making sure our balance sheet um puts us in a position to be on our you
8: know on the front on the front toes rather than on our on our heels.
4: That's great. thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. The next question comes from Jeff Fetterly at Peterson Company. Please go ahead
8: Good morning, everyone. Just a couple of quick follow up questions the CapEx side for this year with forty four million spent year to date uh, and your sixty budget is sixty million the high end of what you think you'll spend, or are there some lumpy things coming in Q four,
2: well hi Jeff. It's John. um yeah, I think it may be slightly more than sixty, but not not materially. I'll just double check that with Rob and Linda to make sure that's correct.
5: I I I'd say we're gonna like likely hit sixty Jeff. Um if anything, we've got a pretty aggressive maintenance program uh in Q four, so you know, that might not get fully completed. Um I guess importantly it and, and not and not typically, we drilled a well in uh at one of our facilities um that was very successful actually, but we drilled it and completed it in two thousand and nineteen. We deferred the tie in of that well. Um and for yeah. Seasonal problems, but the tie-in of that well is now underway. Now that the conditions are such, you can get back in there. Um, So there's a little bit elevated spending on that well tie-in, but we would classify as as growth because it's expanding the capacity of that facility.
6: Um, But yeah, so I think sixty is a good number.
8: Yeah. And the 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 twenty five million of maintenance capital guidance does that include abandonment and reclamation spending for this year? And for next
2: year no. Rob you wanna
5: no it doesn't yeah,
8: uh it doesn't no
5: know, reclamation spending this year will be five, so we're looking at sixty five total and uh you know generally we we uh, cap a cell as we build a new one um just to ensure that our open air space remains constant, so that's the the primary we we reclaim the odd well but mm-hmm. quite Quite frankly, most of our wells, you know, we, we operate our wells conservatively and very effectively such that we've we've had very few, if any, uh, um, you know, unplanned closures of wells that we've needed to reclaim. So principally, it's mostly on the landfill side that we're spending reclamation dollars on a regular basis.
8: And is the expectation in 2021 in that, uh, that you'll, your reclamation and abandonment spending will be similar to what you're allocating this year? Yeah,
5: I mean, I mean, uh every year there it's lumpy obviously because it depends on the, the topography, the size of the cell and the number of cells you're you're working on. Um but yeah, you know, we've always guided, you know, reclamation spending to approximate the amortization that we're seeing running through our P&L. It's very difficult, you know, even if you're um intimately familiar with the accounting to figure that out just by looking at the financial statements, so the cash spend which is a deduction from cash flow from operations, and this is why we focus on discretionary free cash flow, which is net of that number, um, is uh, you know five to ten million would be our average spend over time.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's that's the range that we are comfortable yep. in talking yep.
5: about. There is some discretion there. I mean, if there's significant distress, um you know, we can yeah. always uh, manage that within reason.
8: And just a clarification on the U.S. side: um, Were the disposition proceeds included in Q3? Oh, huh,
3: I can't. Uh, yes. Linda, where? the Q3? Q2, yeah, Q2,
5: were, and three. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah it was yeah. Q2 and Q3. Um, and we we started in the second quarter and finished in the third.
8: Yeah. Okay. And so you
5: can you can interpolate from us not having press release that that it wasn't material.
8: Yeah. And so the cost savings that are as a result of selling and shutting down the U.S. business, is that included in the annualized number that you've talked about, or would it be incremental to that? No, it's it's generally included in it, Jeff. Great. Thanks that for the business
5: color. Will, it. Well, it, that business was losing a very small amount of money, so net-net, it's not a big impact.
2: Yeah.
5: And and okay. and the cost savings were included net in not gross cuz the revenues went away as well. All
8: right. Great. Thank you guys, appreciate the call. Thanks, Jeff.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star 1. And the next question comes from John Gibson at BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
9: Morning. Um just to start off here do you share the outlook that WCS differentials could tighten into 2021? And do you maybe talk about how, how this impacts your energy marketing business?
2: Rob, you want to, no, you I can add.
9: There.
2: You
5: know, they're already pretty tight. Um, you can see it's more of a pipeline net back. We don't see it widening structurally just because of the, you know, we think with most of the supply to come back online, which we do expect to come back online is, is heavy. Um, but there's pipeline capacity there to take it up. Um, I think you're speaking to that that sort of sucking sound we hear from the Gulf Coast where there's a big uh, absence of heavy oil. Um, We saw Repsol is looking for a couple million barrels of heavy. Um, There's other people willing to take long-term committed contracts uh, for producers in Canada. Um, So Canadian heavy oil and oil sands is is in high demand. The pots and pans down the Gulf Coast and then, you know, Pad 3 and 2 are very... Um, geared towards processing heavy oil, and so that's a very strong um, fundamental market for that business to be in. So, um, yeah, I'd say we our expectation is for those differentials to remain relatively tight. I don't know if they'll, you know, go up or down. It's pretty hard to to make even just a WTI forecast, let alone all the dif- different differentials. But the impact on our on our uh, our marketing business is. Uh, a, you know, with our blending and arbitrage business and, and energy marketing and the margins that that might create is, is relatively stable. Um, what's important is margin and I think what that tight tight uh, differential does is it, it adds demand um, for heavy oil to remain producing um, principally as a direct result and then as an indirect result um, the condensate uh, needed to blend that so that it can run in a pipeline um will also remain um relatively robust on the demand side. So in the liquid rich uh, fairway, you know, the Motney there and the South GP um where the you know the tier one tier one acreage is still very economic at these prices and even lower. So and and I think importantly um Vita has got really good exposure to both of those phenomena. And our energy marketing business is connected into all of the different regions equally, um, equal, you know, in proportion to the level of production from the basin. So the energy marketing business is able to be very uh, flexible in where value is and, and move its move its purchases and blending into that direction. Um, so it's a very resilient business, and it's the advantage we have from having broad-based facilities across the entire basin. And, and no real over focus in certain areas um, okay, and the only thing, question John.
2: yeah, the, the only thing I would add to all of that is you know we now have uh twenty two pipeline connected p r d facilities, and you know that that diversity network allows us to leverage multiple different price scenarios
9: um to the kind of the arbitraging comment that Rob made so okay, great uh thanks for that. um second one, I'm just wondering what your outlook for drilling activity is into next year. I know it's a bit of uh an unknown right now, but I'm just wondering if you're building much of an increase into your guidance next year or is you know incremental activity from here just kind of upside?
2: Yes, John here um like our 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 thinking forecasts on the drilling side from for next year is really it's a modest increase from this year. But uh,
9: so really kind of
2: current conditions
9: is how we would, how we would phrase it. Okay, great. I I know we've harped on this a bit, but I'm just wondering, um, again, sort of into your guidance next year, I'm just wondering how much uh, potential well abandonment work have you built in? And, um, you know, I guess, lastly, what areas are you seeing most of it? If you could provide maybe a bit of a split between Alberta, BC and Saskatchewan.
2: Yeah, the majority will be in Alberta, uh, although we are seeing uh, benefits in the other two provinces. but the majority of it will be value generated in Alberta. Um, you know, I guess we would say that, um, you know, it is built in slightly to, to uh, next year, but we, because of the unpredictability of job awards in the process, uh, not
8: much to date. Okay, great. Uh, thanks a lot. I'll turn it back thanks,
1: thank you. And the next question comes from Keith Mackey at rBC. Please go ahead.
6: Hi, good morning everyone. Good morning. Just a question. We've seen um some consolidation to say the least in Western Canada amongst the uh you know amongst the producers uh lately and just curious as um as to whether you've done any work on on how that might affect your customer base um as as the you know industry consolidates and any potential potential consolidation that we might see,
2: yeah, it's John here. i mean we're always looking at that, and we're always um, trying to position ourselves uh, properly in the market with the, with the customers that uh, would will quote unquote survive in these in these times. Um, so basically, um, our view is for instance, the recent Synovus and Husky, uh, one we we view as a net positive to the industry as a whole. Healthier com- companies, um, uh, more uh, stronger balance sheet companies, which would help us in our programs, um, you know,
6: going forward and working with them. Got it. Okay, that's helpful. And then uh, last question for me: uh, Is it safe to assume that your capital guidance for next year is? contingent upon or 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 maybe i'll ask it this way the change in capital guidance or variation from spending 25 to 30 million of maintenance would we expect that number to be materially different um, if we see a debt refinancing sooner rather than later or is your your spending really independent of what you're you're planning on that side
2: well in regards to maintenance capital and ARO spending, uh, it would not be impacted. Those ranges that we provided, they, they stay pretty constant. There is some slight fluctuations, but you know they're pretty constant. The maintenance and the ARO spending, so they wouldn't be impacted by any
7: uh, financing outcomes.
2: It's really the 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 the, um, the math and the financing that relies to our growth uh, uh, projects and outlook, and of course uh, the focus on uh, managing our balance sheet uh, and, and achieving those longer-term objectives that we set back in 2017 is, is a priority, and we're not going to lose sight of that. So, got it. There so, you
6: go. so if we see a if we see a refinancing, we it's kind of safe to say we might see some more growth capex, but still, still a focus on on debt repayment. So it's a matter of a matter of allocation between of free cash flow between those those objectives. Is that fair? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for the call. That's it for me. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you. There are no further questions. I will now turn it back over for closing comments.
2: Well, um, thank you, everyone, for being on the conference call today. Uh, Just a note, a tape broadcast of this is available on our Tervita website. We uh, look forward to providing you with updates on our performance after the completion of the fourth quarter of 2020. Please be safe and healthy, everybody, and thanks for dialing in.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Enjoy the rest of your day.